Welcome to Funny Planet, where we try to explore the humor sphere. Finding out what's funny around the world. What's unique to a country's culture of humor, history, and politics. And what is universal. Welcome back to Funny Planet, everybody. Hey, guys. Uh... <laughs> Zach is really. Well, excited. I really came out of the. Uh, really excited today. Wow. <laughs> yeah, everybody. I don't think I can hand. I don't think I can keep that up. All right. Well, that's that's Zach Tomasovic, and uh, I am Brendan Lemon. <laughs> <laughs> that was so weird. I know it was weird. <laughs> All right, let's let's do the. We'll do it one more time. All right. Welcome to Funny Planet, everybody. Hey guys, how's it going? Ah, oh, there we go. I'm Brendan Lemon, and I'm Zach Tomasovic. All right, I'm gonna keep this whole thing in there. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome Please to the do. second episode of Funny Planet. We're talking with Ari Eldjarn. Ari Eldjarn. Um, he is a Icelandic comedian, very funny guy. Been in the in the biz. Yeah. For, I think he's nine years in now. Yeah, something like that. And uh, just from back when the stand-up comedy scene in Iceland just started. He was uh, a member of one of the fo- basically the founding modern comedy group in Iceland. Yeah. Him with with the guys that we spoke with on the on the um, on the documentary docu series pilot episode we shot um, um, called Mid Eastland. Mid Eastland. Mid Eastland. And um, we talked to them at the Pricket uh, coffee shop, which a little bit comes up in this episode. We talked to uh, Ari about it, but Ari has gone on to become really kind of the most famous Icelandic comedian. Um, certainly outside of Iceland. I think that he's on the BBC a bunch. He's been over to the States a little bit. He goes to New York, tells some jokes. He's a really funny guy. And uh, we get, we, ca- we caught him uh, in his house when he was hanging out with his daughter. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it seem like we really just like bumped into yeah, him. Yeah, he just ran into knocked his on his place. door and he just happened to be home. I well, in Iceland, that's true. You can well, walk. You can, <laughs> you can get away with that. You can walk right up to the parliament house yeah. in Iceland and just knock on the door. <laughs> You really can. Is Parliament in session? <laughs> yeah, there is. There is no. There's no guard at the door of Parliament in Iceland. I found that interesting. No, he's just. It's he, just right there. Yeah, it's just totally walking. We got it. We got it on video. We have to put that in the t- in the full pilot when we finish it. But <laughs> uh, so he talks a lot about getting started, and um, I think it's fascinating that he he begins a pattern that we see from other comedians and other episodes who are starting out in comedy markets that aren't don't really have a uh, uh, an established comedy scene which is that he writes material he was talking about writing material for every show that he did like mm-hmm. he's like i have to have new material at every show right and finally sounds... he realized he didn't need to do that right <laughs> that's really funny oh my gosh i think urzel carlson talks about that too i think it's uh i think ari's story is really interesting and i think it's um i think it's particularly uh it's particularly uplifting for people who might want to try stand up um maybe you're in your late 20s maybe you're in your 30s or 40s or 50s who cares uh, Ari started a little bit later in life. Yep. Um, you know, he was a flight attendant and then he just decided to go to, he talks about going to London, uh, for screenwriting and then, uh, he just kind of fell into it. So yeah. I think that it's kind of an uplifting story of like, you know, he's now Iceland's biggest comedian. You can really start from anywhere. Yeah. Um, if you want to do it, yeah. no one, th- the thing is no one's going to tell you to do it and no one's going to stop you from doing it. <laughs> Really, that's the nice thing about comedy. Um, I just believe in yourself, man. Right. It really you are your 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 own. Uh, you, you can make it happen on your own. So, um, I thought that that was uh, pretty cool that he, uh, you know, he was one of the first comedians to really leave Iceland um, and tour around and make a name for himself uh, in Iceland and outside of Iceland. Well, I mean, I, I was excited to have this conversation with him, and and uh, I think we'll probably have him back on the pod again mm-hmm. another time. Probably when we're probably when we're back in Iceland. But, yeah. 
Um, uh, I, I think that sounds good. You want to drop into the episode right now? Or you got anything else you want to toss in here? No, no. I mean, I think that uh, there's a lot of uh, watch out for references to uh, lots and lots of uh, very specific Icelandic things. So oh, I that's think people, true. In, people yeah. in Iceland will particularly uh, know what we're talking about. <laughs> well, know what Brendan and Ari are talking about. But if you don't, we'll uh, try our best to put stuff in the show notes. Yeah, that's a good point. Zach. <laughs> I'm glad you brought really that up. It's really specific. <laughs> yeah, because we get down to the rabbit it's hole. It's great. It's great. But it gets so specific. Yeah. We yeah. talk about Helgi a lot. Who's... <laughs> Right. We're coming up on another episode, yeah. but um, <laughs> good point, Zach. But with that trigger warning and disclaimer, <laughs> <laughs> we'll take you into the episode. Enjoy, guys. Hey, Ari. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, hey. You got Brendan. Uh, Zach is unfortunately sick today. Okay. How are you, buddy? Uh, I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. I've been trying in vain to connect my AirPods to the phone for like 10 minutes. And <laughs> oh, no. There's something wrong with the software or something. They just keep dropping out. Oh, no, So uh, I'm going to do it old school and just hold the phone to my head. Oh, man. Fuck a beat. I'm going to do this a cappella. <laughs> <laughs> His real name's Clarence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Detroit, so I'm glad you get that reference, man. <laughs> yeah, just barely remembered what that was. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this dude's a gangster. His real name is Clarence, and Clarence's parents have a real good marriage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He went, yeah, it's a private Yeah, school. he went to Cranbrook, yeah. y'all. That's a private school. That's a real, oh. that's, Cranbrook is like the nicest private school in Metro Detroit. <laughs> Oh, it's such a such a brilliant film. <laughs> it makes me so happy that you know that. <laughs> yeah, I uh, <laughs> I used to when I was like a teenager. There was a big hip hop thing going on in Iceland late late nineties, early two thousands, and um, and uh, I kind of rode the coattails on that. I I became like a a, a, a hip hop DJ, but didn't really appear much with it. I mainly stayed at home and practiced scratching and beat juggling. Oh, this is exactly so. We met with. It's funny. We met with um, uh, when we were filming the uh, the the pilot in Iceland for the show that we're doing. Um, we uh, met with uh, Mid Eastland and Dori Diana, and he talked a lot about how there was like a huge hip hop thing going on in Iceland around that time. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a the first wave. Yeah. Where are you currently? Are you in Reykjavik right now? Cool man, right. uh, that's uh, that's neat. You're is there much light at all these days in Reykjavik? This is oh, I should it, note. Oh, it's get, I should note it's getting the, darker now. Oh, is it? I should note to the listener we're we're filming the or we're filming we're recording this in uh in because uh, I'm already recording by the way. Just FYI, yeah. um in uh in in early November, so it's got to be. We're still about what, six weeks, seven weeks away from the shortest day of the year, so it's got to be almost no light over in Reykjavik most of the days now. Yeah, it's getting darker pretty early, but, like, during the really dark period, that's when you get, like, noon at one past, uh, like, half past one, yeah. and then sundown kind of around four. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard time. <laughs> oh, my God. That's like, so, like, here's the – that's what I was going to say is, like, this. I'm in Chicago, which is obviously not the same. I'm in Chicago right now, but Chicago – the sun goes down at like 4:45 or like 5 p.m. now, 
And yeah. like it's it's so it's so rough. There's almost no. It feels like you get up, it's dark. You go to work, it's dark. You get out of work, it's dark. <laughs> it's just like yeah, it's it's so bleak. And I remember when I was in school, when I was like 16, we uh, my school was so old they didn't have enough classrooms. So the junior year they made them start uh, afternoon. So um, I came to school around like 20 minutes to two and. We left at like seven in the evening, so it was just pitch black. <laughs> and oh my God. most of the day, it was just dark outside the, the classroom as well. So, yeah, it was a, it was a bleak, that, bleak year. Even is everybody in Iceland just suffering from a vitamin D deficiency? <laughs> like, yeah, just, yeah, wow, so heavily. We, we get it mainly from eating fish oil, and uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> we, you have we take to. very little of it from the sun. <laughs> so, nobody's like out sunbathing a lot. Even in, We went in March uh, to film, and that was when it was right around the equinox. And yeah. even then, it was pretty like. It, like actually it was warmer what was funny is it was warmer in iceland than it was in new york or chicago uh it was actually yeah. pretty temperate and like some days we were outside in like t-shirts and stuff i was like it kind of blew my mind uh i mean i wouldn't call it like hot <laughs> like the no it most certainly isn't but it, it's not freezing either is it, it it's it's just kind of um, in between, we, we we have this weird th- thing with the Gulf Stream. Uh, that's the reason it doesn't freeze over so badly. We're I think uh, similarly far north as like Newfoundland, but that place gets like minus thirty in winter. Oh yeah, but it's, it's cold. usually around zero here if it's really cold. Yeah, dude, it's it's un- it's it's such a unique place, and it's funny because we took out we took off from New York with Wow Airlines before they went defunct. Uh, yeah, in a um in a snowstorm and the only planes that were leaving were wow airlines and iceland iceland air were the only ones <laughs> yeah. and the, because the pilots and the crew were like we don't give a shit like they just took right yeah. off and we're fine <laughs> yeah it certainly it probably looks that way but there's also probably like just sheer necessity like no no we just have to take off otherwise the whole thing goes flip-flop we have, yeah. to, we have to keep the planes moving <laughs> yeah if the planes didn't take off the whole it would have been months earlier that we would have been stranded <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah so, they, uh, they, they just they just announced today that they're gonna launch a new uh, low-cost airline to fill in the void that Wow Air left. And apparently it's going to be called Play Air or uh, Playa. So uh, <laughs> look forward to flying over here again as a player. Dude, I would go to visit. I would I would buy the, the, the $150 round-trip ticket from Newark Airport just to hang out at the fucking Keflavik Airport, man. That place is like... <laughs> It's gorgeous. I would. It's, it feels like you're at a uh, hotel. Like it's, it's, it's amazing because Keflavik is just in the middle of nowhere. Uh, like, it, it, it literally. When you take the bus from, I mean, I know you know this, but like for the listeners, like if you take the bus from Keflavik Airport to Reykjavik, it's like a, I don't know, thirty, forty-five minute bus ride, and it looks like you're on Mars. Like you're, especially if you land super early in the morning. But the airport itself is gorgeous. Like, I just want to hang out in the airport. <laughs> I remember when that place was newly built, like in the late 80s, they had six gates. And there was a big controversy, like, this is way too many gates. We don't need this many gates. This is just throwing money away. I think they have like 50 now. But six gates was just considered outrageous when they built it. <laughs> so they've been just adding to it new annexes and new crooks and nannies. But before that... Um, the international airport of Iceland was through the naval base. You had to go into an American military oh, base yeah. 
you had to just go through a checkpoint to yeah. leave the country. My uncle and, uh, and, served at that base in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so many Americans served there for some period. And it was just like this two little gates that they had. And I vaguely remember going there when I went abroad in 1988. But when I came back, they built the Icelandic one. But that naval base is still there. And when the military left in 2006, they opened up the doors to the public. And it was just insane watching... Uh, looking at it because it was it was american everything like the, the the electricity was american there was these big ass toilets with like a jacuzzi <laughs> level of water in them and not the stingy european ones yeah and and then there was like a gym hall just wall to wall covered in like art made by american children of servicemen just like bald eagles and flags and and you were like wow this was here the whole time yeah like a, a tiny little version of america it's like was a little it's time. like a little mar- like like almost like astronauts had landed and like built yeah. a little yeah but that actually is not a bad transition to talk, to move into talking about iceland and and international comedy and stuff because i feel like that that pastiche of travel lots of gates being added to the airport this american influence this european influence i feel like that was our experience going to iceland and meeting the comics and getting to understand the comedy scene is like iceland is almost like its own planet that's had all of these other influences from all of these other cultures that have come into it but then has like produced its own stew of unique comedians i feel like you're and you're like a good example of that like uh in britain and australia you know, in Australia, coming over to New York and Canada, like all this kind of stuff. It's fascinating to see sort of where the sense of humor is developed and how much sort of influence it feels like Iceland's starting to have sort of, um, you know, in, in not just in the world stand-up, especially in Europe, but also just in anything. I mean, you guys were in the fucking World Cup, and America didn't even make it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, punching above our weight there we were, but yeah, we, we made it. Um that World Cup qualification was such a big thing for Icelanders because it meant that we are the country with the fewest people that has qualified for the World Cup. And we shattered the previous record of Trinidad and Tobago, who have a million people. Yeah. So we have like 360,000. And, uh, and I'm fairly confident that this record might never be broken. <laughs> this <Yeah>. is just <laughs> such a tiny, tiny population. It's ridiculous. We qualified. Yeah, it's amazing. And and made it so far. I remember we were yeah. watching and had just gotten back from Iceland and we were like, oh my God, I really hope they keep going. This is going to be amazing. And like, yeah, I mean, it was like spectacular to, to, to watch. And especially as an American, I felt like it was good because I had like another team I could root for. <laughs> yeah, I was told that like uh, in America, they covered it quite intensively on Sports Center. And the, the way I heard it was that uh, the main story they pulled from Sorry, that's not the World Cup one. That was the European Cup one that was covered in America because there was a massive upset in that European Cup where Iceland beat England, biggest moment of Icelandic football history. But the thing that got the attention of the Americans was um, the fact that after the first match, which was a draw against Portugal, the captain of the Icelandic team offered to exchange shirts with Cristiano Ronaldo and he refused and he was pissed that they drew with Portugal, and and he went on a like a 
press conference afterwards and said that like Iceland has a small mentality. They celebrated a tie like it was a victory. Ha ha. And, <laughs> oh, and the Americans at SportsCenter, they just ran with this. They just tore into him for being like, how could you be so arrogant? You know, this is the biggest <laughs> moment of their life ever. They come from a tiny country. Yeah. Be a little gracious, will you? But the funniest thing was I heard that most of the time spent on covering Ronaldo was explaining who Ronaldo was. That's so was like, funny. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Right, this guy's like Cristiano Ronaldo. So this guy makes like about this much money per year. So he's basically like the Michael Jordan of football, right? Yeah. This yeah. guy at Iceland, <laughs> the population the size of a street in New York, and was, they just hammered at that again and again. And this guy is a big deal. Remember, Cristiano Ronaldo is a famous guy. And you're like, wow, they don't know who he is? <laughs> no, they, no, he's like, they probably have to be like, he's like the Kobe Bryant of soccer. He's like the Europe. Kobe Bryant yeah. of, of Europe. <laughs> That's so freaking ridiculous, man. <laughs> it just goes to show how huge the United States is that soccer is like a – it's something that has to be explained. Oh, they have to like explain it to everybody. But let's hold on. Let me Before we get way more into the weeds, Ari, uh, let me just say, Ari Eldjarn. Uh, yeah. Upestandari. Um, did yeah, I say perfect. that right at all? <laughs> yeah, perfect. Upestandari. Yeah, Upestandari. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So how did you – I wanted to. I, I just want to get into this, man, and talk about your uh, commonly known as the most famous Icelandic stand-up comic. You do comedy all over the world. This this uh, project that uh, sort of I'm, you know, we're in here is trying to figure out what the senses of humor all over the world are like. And I'm, I'm curious to hear from your perspective. You've done comedy – you know, really all over the English-speaking world, certainly all over the the the, the Nordic world and uh, and further. You know, what what w- how did you get into stand-up, and then how did how did your sense of humor sort of develop? I mean, let's go back to when you were in, uh, trying to pursue that rap career, and maybe decided. You were... <laughs> <laughs> well, I did rap gears. for sure. Yeah, I, I did some scratches in my living room when I was seventeen. That's about it. No. Uh... <laughs> I I always wanted to be like a screenwriter, a director. I went to film school when I was 25, did like a screenwriting course in London. Yeah. And I didn't really necess- necessarily think I would go into comedy, but I did catch a break when I was like newly graduated from film school and I'd moved back home when I was recruited to be part of the writing team for like Iceland's very humble version of like SNL and as much as we do one episode per year on New Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah. So that's like a 50-minute show called Aura Motoscope. So I got to write that and that's a big deal. It's 90% ratings. Like everyone watches it. It's just like the big comedy show of the year. So I dipped my toe into comedy writing unexpectedly, but I kind of liked it. And a few years later, when my friends had like a stand-up thing as a dare, there was very little of the sort going on here. Uh, I tagged along and I just thought of every old thing that I'd ever thought of and threw together a set complete with all the impressions I knew. And and I wrote something new for it, too. And it just worked. So I just started doing more of that. So I kind of stumbled into it in a way. Yeah. When did um, when did that when did that happen? When was the first when was the first set that you did? It was ten years ago with okay, uh, with Dory DNA with the, the rapper and yeah yeah was that the famous Mid-Eastland. That the famous show the famous show that took place at Prekit uh, Coffee uh, that kind no. of blew up no, and that, kicked off the stand up scene no that's the that's the less famous second show that took place <laughs> at Karamba which is fifty <laughs> meters away or something <laughs> and, uh, yeah but. 
the one that took place at Priki, I went went to that one to see Dori and Bergur, my two friends, yeah. uh, the the rapper and the the pop singer, the <laughs> lawyer, the, <laughs> the lawyer, lawyer turned pop star, and um, I went to see them perform there, and they both did like fifty minutes each, which was uh, pretty ambitious for like a first time set. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's I amazing just... to me. Part of the reason we wanted to go and like cover this, and I, again for like the listeners, this, some background is that like the Icelandic stand-up scene is really ten years old. Um, that before that, there was not really a lot of Icelandic comedy in the stand-up form that kind of we understand it modernly. I know that um, you know Young Gunnar did his one-man show, and and that kind of like was, a, but it was like a British-style one-man show, is my understanding. Yeah. No, there was stand up here definitely in the really? 90s. Okay. Yeah, 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 there was a there was a big contest called the uh, Fintnastimaður Islands, the funniest person in Iceland and and that that contest was on for years and and many famous comedians came from that one including Pietur Johan who is absolutely massive as a stand up still. But there had been very little happening. Like that contest was dormant at the time. Uh-huh. And Around the time we started doing it, we were in no way connected directly with the old scene. Yeah. And the old scene was maybe more like one contest, a shitload of corporates around town that just came naturally. And then a few really capable comedians, Jung Knarr and Pietur Johan being particularly good examples. Mm. And and being people who did like their solo shows and, and sold tickets and, and were on TV and were huge. But when... We did our show. Um, I think there was just like a little vacuum. There was very little going on at the time. And in the years that followed after we started doing our stuff, then a completely independent scene was created, which is still growing, which is the English-speaking comedy scene in Iceland. And that one is very healthy and very – it's growing every year. And now they have their own comedy club, The Secret Seller. So I am not like directly part of that, yeah. but it happens like the same time or just, just after we started doing our show. Got it. Full-time. It was kind of a, it's kind of from what I understand. So when we, we spoke with Gisli Yuan, this is really getting into the weeds for the average listener, but I, it's just interesting to see how like that scene kind of developed that like what I noticed and what we've noticed talking with people from different places all over the world is like, there's a there's kind of a local there's like it's not like comedy was unheard of but it almost feels like in the last decade there was a kickoff of uh stand up again and then this like and then every scene has like an english speaking comedy scene component yeah. to it that yeah. is also kind of like growing on its own and that's i think is really fascinating that scene was filled with all kinds of different expats and other types of people um, in Iceland, and it's true sort of all over the world. But Iceland is almost like a perfect Petri dish of exactly the same thing that's taking place sort of globally. Yeah, that's that's completely the case, because uh, we found out afterwards that in 2009, the same year we started doing our thing, um, these kind of scenes were being formed in, like, for example, Estonia and Singapore. And those were all English-speaking scenes. I mean, the Estonians themselves were speaking English because they just felt, let's just make an English-speaking scene from the get-go. Yeah. Uh, in our case, we were just so completely local in our whole humor that we never even considered doing it in English. I would later start doing it in English too. But it's quite interesting that, like, 
at the same time, it seems to be that like more countries around this period had their first proper stand-up scene. And I think it can be partly attributed to social media and YouTube, yeah. the, the readily available clips of stand-up. I think that's true. I, uh, Paris started its English-speaking scene around 2012, 2011, similar kind of time period. And Wow, that late, Paris, go figure. I know, right? The, well, the first dedicated comedy club in Paris didn't really open up until 2012, I think. So, I mean, that's the one that I'm most familiar with. I I lived there in 2013 doing comedy for a while. But it, even, you know, our, our mutual friend Helgi Steiner Gunlickson is in a... Uh, China right now doing comedy in the English speaking scene in China, which is like amazing. Yeah, he's 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 probably the most traveled Icelandic comedian there is. He he's been to so many countries with the show. Yeah, he um he oh, yeah, it's funny. We had um I he's such a, a easy to talk to guy, and it's amazing. Iceland is such a fascinating country that he's like doing tours. Like <laughs> when he's <laughs> when he's in Reykjavik, he's like the most traveled Icelandic comic doing com- comedy all over the planet, and then he's like doing tours. Uh, it went in Reykjavik, which is funny, but, um, let me, let me, let me, let me pull back. And I want to ask you some questions about the comedy, which is like one of the things we're trying to investigate is what's unique about a, a, a country's culture and comedy and, and what's, um, universal. And I'm curious, you know, you've done comedy in a lot of different sort of English speaking countries in many different countries, not English speaking countries. I'm curious, what do you think translates from the Icelandic sense of humor and what, and what doesn't like what, um, what do you what do you find bombs um, abroad but kills at home? Well, the stuff that I do abroad, um, almost in every case, is like stuff that I've done here and has just been simply translated and repurposed for an English speaking audience. Mm. So, I mean, my whole style. I think works in pretty much any place. It's just a, a, a cheerful little chap telling some funny <laughs> stories. There's not much more to it. But I think when I do go abroad, um, stuff that is heavily local, uh, such as like impressions of local people and stuff like that, that is not an option. Yeah. But but often the routines can be salvaged and repurposed by just removing the name of the person in question and just explaining, this guy's a news anchor in Iceland and here's the deal about blah, blah, blah. Just do a little bit of an introduction and then you can just have as much fun with it by doing the act-outs and doing the character. And I find that, like, I don't think that the themes or the topics are that different. I think I think Icelandic stand-up is, I think it is pretty pretty universal in a way the way most people here do their material. I haven't really thought about this at all. If there is something specifically Icelandic and totally distinct and unique. It's when we, we spoke with uh, Daxon and um, he, it's fascinating because it sounds like part of it in the Icelandic sense of humor is this, this, the, like we had talked about earlier, is like the weather at some point in the year is so bleak that like, yeah. I I think that there's maybe like a a strain of I don't want to say like negativity isn't really the right word to use but there's almost this strain of like stuff's kind of shitty a little bit. <laughs> oh oh absolutely <laughs> and uh, the weather is possibly the best gift for stand-ups because people don't want to stay out uh, outdoors they want to go inside and and get through the winter that way. Uh, I mean if you want to <clears throat> do a tour or work stand-up generally you will find that theaters are closed in summer here because 
it's people not just want to be outside. terrifyingly cold. Yeah, yeah they just <laughs> want to be outside and use it, get that little bit of vitamin D when they can. And no, and this place, of course, can be very bleak. And um, po- probably everyone has seasonal affective disorder. That's so to, funny. Uh, to, yeah, to, to some degree. And of course, Hule Gurdaxon uh, is possibly like one of the darkest comics we have. And still, it's like extremely cathartic to listen to him. I think the Icelanders really dig how harsh he can be sometimes or like graphic. Uh, his uh, his comics are, of course, amazing and just totally brutal. So I'm curious. So how did you so when you started, you started doing stand up. How did you start to go outside of the Icelandic scene? I mean, you had been to school in London, you know, and had, uh, you know, had had a. Uh, some familiarity i think with britain and it seems like that's a natural like there's like scotland and britain seems like it's an, a natural first sort of export to icelandic comedy did you go there or were you you know what was your kind of break into comedy outside of iceland well <clears throat> the first time i went to do comedy abroad was actually in it was in England. Yeah, I remember now. Um, a year after I started doing my stuff here, I had pretty much moved into doing stand-up full-time. And most of that was just people calling and saying, we have this uh, gala thing, you want to do some stand-up? And it, it took like a year before I realized that, hey, I can just make a living from this. And I quit my job. And wait, then wait, wait hold on a like... second. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so wait. People would call you and ask if you wanted to do comedy. Why? Wait, wait. <laughs> yeah. How oh, the fuck? Oh my God, this How is did like you do tiny, that? Already? This is a tiny country. Okay, got <laughs> it. Okay. It's a combination of factors. I, I did some stand up uh, that first year. I did a few gigs with me in Island, and we just got a lot of press on the back of that. A lot of attention, uh, TV interviews, and it just didn't take that long. And I also wrote that sketch show the same year. So there was like this perfect storm that happened around the end of 2009, which kind of just translated into the phone starting to ring in January of 2010. And those were like gigs that I'd never heard of. And there is no real sort of circuit pre-planned or centralized comedy booking agency. It's just random people with random events. Yeah. And they just go, hey, hey that, that, there's someone new, someone new in the tiny country. And then they just go to the phone book and give me a call. So that's basically how i started doing it full time i think the first two years i didn't even have a plan about what i wanted to do at all i was just going with wherever the phone told me to go oh my god yeah so not a not a not oh, a particularly man. normal way to start like carving out a career in comedy no, i was that... just thrown into it and i think because of that uh, i think i was just forced to write and and deal with like more of imposter syndrome than anything else. Just like, oh, Jesus, oh, Christ, can't believe. And the whole mentality of Iceland is like very seasonal. Everyone just asks you, oh, man, you're doing comedy? Oh, how's it going? Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Oh, what's your plan B? What are you going to do? What are you going to do when this is over? You know, this is going to be good while it's going, right? Milk it for all it's worth, son. But one day... What are you gonna do? <laughs> Everyone is so used to like, like everybody who expects you to be like, well, I'm gonna then buy a fishing boat. <laughs> yeah, the whole country thinks like that and always has. Like, oh, oh, it's a good year now. Okay, go fish, 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 fish while you still can, because winter is coming. That's how everybody <laughs> always thinks. So I spent the first two years mainly dealing with that. But like, at one point, I read a story in the newspaper about an Icelandic comedian called Snorri Herkill Kristinsson 
who was living in London and just doing a shitload of gigs there. So I got in touch with him and I asked, like, could you maybe help me get some open spots if I try to go and do it in English, five minute spots here and there? And he agreed to do it. So in 2010, I went for a week to London just to try my hand at it. And it was just so much fun and, and such a mindfuck to translate the stuff and and see, like, it, it was just going to be completely different to what I was used to Yeah. at home, being but, extremely spoiled. But, like, but were the – so let me – there's two – I've got, like, so many questions that have come up. So I'm curious, firstly, how did you work out material then? Because if you're getting – there's no open mic scene to speak of. Like, that's how comedians – I mean, you know this now, but, like, that's how most comedians do it is, like, if you're in Chicago, New York, L.A., Detroit, Cleveland – whatever in in america and even in in canada mostly most comedians go do spots in their local local open mic scene maybe they do a couple of different shows whatever but they work out material through kind of this circuit of open mics doing comedy in front of mostly other comedians sometimes a handful of tourists or whatever who show up yeah. at kind of the low pressure showcase show and yeah. then they that's how they develop it and then i think the pattern now is becoming now they go the American comedians then go to Edinburgh and work out an entire hour, then come back to America and then like do, do, you know, film their showcase or do whatever they do. But like none of that existed in Iceland and you were getting paid to do these shows. So it's like you I can't it's so weird to think about, man, because as a comedian myself, like I think about. I would be freaking out if I had to write all new material all the time and never had a chance. Okay, and then I got to memorize it in my basement in front of no audience and then, yeah. you know, or not basement because you guys have permafrost or whatever, but, like, you get the idea. <laughs> no, man, that, that's how it went those first two years. You, and you would just write a lot of material just before the shows. I remember between show one, two, and three, I think the first show I did, like, 25 minutes and show number two, I did the uh, new 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, it's just, we had like maybe 50 people at the shows. Like, and I was like, yeah, well, people will have seen this one before. <laughs> like, it's not even the same people. <laughs> but like, I think for a long time, I was like super conscious that like, oh, there's going to be a lot of overlap, a lot of the same people at these gigs. And often there are a lot of the same people. I mean, some poor bastard has probably seen me do the same set 10 times in one month because he's been to so many of the events uh, either as a spouse or an employee for a company or whatnot but yeah we just turned around so much material and and burned a lot of it too like i remember berkur uh, the other guy who did the first gig with Tori, uh, he just wrote so much material the first two years and some of it was just like classic stuff it was great stuff and, and we've kind of just forgotten about most of it because we we just thought you we just had to write, 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 write and get on with it. Continue to keep writing, yeah. But it's funny yeah. now because it's like we look at we, we talked with John O'Duffy and he does this one bit about how a shelf, I guess, in Icelandic is called a Hitler, and yeah. he does this one bit, and it's like he's been doing it for years, and audiences will repeat every line of that bit to him as he does it. Yeah. Like yeah, and like they love it's fascinating. it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like Andrew Dice Clay or something. Like it's like they, people will they come to see the bit. <laughs> oh, it's such a good good situation when you when you can somehow manage to make Andrew Dice Clay and Jono Duffy fit in the same sentence. <laughs> the same sentence. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, I, I, that should I, be like a new <laughs> new style for Jono. Just go on stage like, hey, you know, 
What about them shells, huh? Hey, go fuck yourself, Hitler. You know? I'd say next time I see Dice at the stand, I'm going to be like, hey, I met the uh, Australian you in Iceland. Uh, the gay Australian you in Iceland, Dice. Um, let me, so let me back up. Okay, so you go to, New, you go to London, pardon me. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I'm curious, what, what, how did, did the laugh lines on your comedy change? Like when you went to London, did you find that they were laughing at different parts or not laughing at different parts that people had in uh, Reykjavik? Well, that time I wrote a new five minutes. Of course, I was still in that mode Great. of always just writing more material. <laughs> fuck, fuck. So the material You're in a new country <laughs> doing stand up with material you've yeah. never done before. I, I just landed in London and met my best friend, Ala, who just winged this with me for a week and came with me to most of the gigs. And I just ran by him some random shit that I thought of in the days leading up to this. And he was like, mm -mm, don't know about that, mate. Uh, try to do that instead. Uh, yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> and then I did one thing which I didn't even think would play, which was like I had an I had an impression of Morrissey from the Smiths. Oh, yeah. And I um, probably loved that. Yeah, <laughs> it was like it was an overwhelming reaction to that one bit. And and the rest was like, Meh. it was OK. You know, it was they not love, bad. Like, God not damn, great. do they love impressions, man. I did an impression yeah. of Jeremy Corbyn in my uh, Edinburgh act and it like brought the house down. And I oh, yeah. And I play there. <laughs> I tried it one time. I was like, let's just see what this does in America. Nobody had people were like, who the fuck is Jeremy Corbyn? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, apparently this guy's like, you know, the Kobe Bryant of British of, politics. Of you British know? politics. <laughs> I was, he's more like the Bernie Sanders of British politics in many ways, except yeah. it's not a great comparison because so much of Jeremy Corbyn is in his demeanor, which is nothing like Bernie Sanders. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I remember I just had that one little impression. I just hung on to that. And that was like Morrissey covering Who Let the Dogs Out. Um, Who Let it the like... Dogs Out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much, and just making it like, a, uh, like a animal rights, an animal rights cause. Like the, I know, I can't remember the bit. It was like, who let the dogs out? A most fortunate freeing of this canine being, and that just brought the house down. Which oh is, my oh, god! A most fortunate freeing of a canine being, and that was like the moment when they went like, whoa, where the, where the fuck did that come from? But then I just went back home. Oh, that's that was so just like funny. a week. So I, it was always at the back of my mind that this can be fun somewhere else too. But it wasn't really until I met like a Finnish comedian called Andre Wikström, who is fantastically funny. And I still think he's like the funniest comic I've ever sort of worked with, heavily influenced me. And uh, he came here to do a gig in English and just brought the house down. And he was gracious enough to invite me to Finland to a festival he had in Turku. And that just became a thing. I started going to Finland like once or twice a year and doing the Finnish festivals where everybody more or less were speaking Finnish on stage except me doing it in Icelandic. And, and they, and, but I mean, because they're Nordic languages, you guys could understand each other. Yeah. And so much of my material was easily translated into them and they had so, they very easily got like references. Uh, they English, were particularly speaking comics there now. Yes, yes. There's a there's a lot of expats in all countries. You will find very capable English speaking comics expats. Usually, um, there's a really good one from Scotland called Ray Sambino, mm. and and there's way more. I just can't remember them all on the top of my mind. But but those Finnish comics really really uh, took me in, and it was just a it was just a ride going there every time. 
And that's where I managed that's to so polish exciting. like a really tight 15. Okay, got it. And that was over a period of like a couple of years. You got like a tight 15 together. But then what was the explosion of it? you going to Australia, you being on TV in Britain? Like how did that, what was the bridge that ended up taking you into that that kind of direction? Because I think of a guy like, let's back up. Like I think of a guy like Helgi, you know, who's hilarious and funny has an amazing like backstory and i mean a dude who you know i'm not sure in what order we're going to release these episodes so you know he's born in iceland moves to minnesota moves to los angeles then moves to minnesota then moves back to iceland then moves to china (laughs) then starts doing comedy in china doesn't do comedy it starts in beijing then comes yeah. back to Iceland, continues to do comedy. Now he's like all over the world doing all this comedy. But he's not on, you know, he's he hasn't been on TV. He hasn't been like, he hasn't like blown up in that kind of way. I'm curious sort of how you, what what pro- propelled you or caused you to take sort of that step, if that makes sense. Well, I always planned to go to Edinburgh at some point, but it was almost like a, it was almost like a fictional place in my mind because I'd never been there, but mm. I always heard everyone talk about it. And over the years, it's so funny because the... an Icelander probably goes to Edinburgh and they're like, "This place is amazing and beautiful and warm." And the rest of the world comes in and they're like, "This place is depressing, rainy." <laughs> 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 You're not wrong there. <laughs> no, but I, I Icelanders I, have I, a natural advantage in Edinburgh, Scotland. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like. Uh, some of it will be strikingly familiar, although I will say that the rain is quite different and heavier in Edinburgh, but maybe less windy than Iceland. Yeah. But yeah, it, they they have their own variety of bleak, and we, we can relate to it. Edinburgh has always been a very popular destination, by the way, for Icelanders traditionally to go shopping. Uh, these like uh, <laughs> you would take these like in the 80s, people would take like these uh, charter flights to Glasgow and Edinburgh to go shopping because it was like. They had some VAT reimbursal scheme or something. Oh, yeah. So there's still a generation of Icelanders who's like, ooh, you're going to Edinburgh. Going to go shopping, eh? But I'd never been there. And when I finally did venture there, I just went there to check out the festival because I didn't know what that festival looked like. Most festivals I'd done were in Scandinavia, and they were all you know, way, way smaller. So I was like, oh, okay, so what's the festival like? Where's the venue? And then I arrived in Edinburgh. I was like, hang on, this is like, and this is not like a festival. This is like an outbreak. This is like oh yeah, everything is a venue. And it's ma- it's total madness. And for so we well, we'll have to do a whole episode uh, of this podcast of me and I met my co-producer of Funny Planet Zach uh, Tomasovic at Edinburgh in 2017, and right, it's just yeah. a com- it's complete madness. I mean it's. It's like yeah, Lollap- yeah. it's like the Lollapalooza of live acts, but for an entire month in a very tiny city. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, it, uh, it's a really long story to explain how I wound up there. But like in 2014, I met a Danish guy who did a gig in Iceland. He invited me to do a gig in Denmark, which was on a boat. And <laughs> on that boat performing with me was a guy called Bob Slayer, who was... Um, producing in edinburgh and, and he was the only guy i knew who was doing a show or producing people in edinburgh or promoting and he we stayed in touch and over the next few years he was like yeah should we should we do this year uh, maybe next year and then i finally got in touch and we're like hey can we can we hook up and uh, maybe do something and he was like yeah yeah sure mate and he he booked me in at a club that i'd never heard of called the monkey barrel which was new mm. and 
I just went over there and didn't know anyone except this one person. And then I just did a run there. And doing like your first Edinburgh, I mean, it can go any way. It can go, you know, extremely oh, I, I lost my mind. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really, it's a challenge. It's an endurance test. But I just went there and had a pretty small room. But I was conscious of like after the first few days that like I, I, I think I'm doing well. I think I'm selling decent numbers, but I had no comparison. I had no idea what to expect there. And the show just picked up steam and got momentum, sold well. And then I pretty much sold out the entire run and didn't really think anything of it. I have some recordings of myself there that I've listened to and I'm speaking like 1.5 speed like the proposed netflix speed yeah it's just I'm, yeah i'm just like plowing <laughs> through like 70 minutes of material in 50 minutes but long story short i got on i got an agent from that who came to see me and signed me and that changed everything because i don't know anyone in the uk myself and like it's easy to represent yourself in iceland because i know everyone here and on the back of that i've managed to do like so and so much work in the UK and occasionally a booker will come along and book you on a TV show or put you on like a radio show. And that's just a new circuit that I'm now semi involved in. Mm. So I'm doing like a kind of an English grind occasionally. But I mean, that's amazing. Like, and it's, it's, it's just the, see, this is the thing about Edinburgh is like, you've had like the Edinburgh dream, which is that you first run, throw together a show, get over there, gets some steam, the right people see it, you get a, a couple of good reviews maybe even early, and and then you get somebody who wants to represent your talent. That very much did not go, <laughs> that did not happen like that for me. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it was a absolute, and like looking at it, I was just very fortunate. The, the guy who signed me, Mick Perrin, uh, specializes in foreign comics. Yeah. And it was just so weird it was like it was meant to be that this was meant to happen and and yeah i did get a good review in the scotsman in the first week oh man that's a big yeah that's a big deal so that was like a big deal and um, yeah but i had no perspective on it at the time i was just like hanging on for dear life having no idea whether to be you know terrified or ecstatic but yeah that that month that first time in edinburgh taught me a lot and it's just a like two icelanders still it, it, like to me i've been traveling you know occasionally all my life i used to be a flight attendant so i've done a lot of transit and a lot of stopovers it's still a big deal in my mind to go abroad. I, I'm still like an 80s person who is like, ooh, going to go shopping in Edinburgh, eh? Going to go abroad? <laughs> like we call going abroad literally to go to the outland. You know, yeah. that, that's literally what we call it. You went to outlands? Wow. <laughs> it really is like another planet on Iceland. Yeah. Iceland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like, I mean, that's a, that's, it's a, such a, you know, great way to think about it, I think, though, is that, like, every time you go to a new place, you're discovering new people, new culture, new parts of yourself, just all of these things that you wouldn't have otherwise. Um, and, like, I, it's, and, and, and it's cool to see that you've, you know, hit a bunch of really great, look, you know, places and landed on great television and, and all of these kinds of things. Mix, obviously, doing a good job. I reached out to him, actually, to see if he would do the podcast because, we want to talk on this podcast not just with comics, but 
but also with p- industry people because the, the the industry like we were talking about earlier is different in every country that yeah. you know in in Iceland like you were saying like you for 2 years just there was no industry entertainment industry to speak of but obviously when you start translating that outside of the country it becomes like a totally different different thing and the way that it works in Britain is different than the way it works in America and and um and France obviously is different and I you know I really we talked to Helgi and was so excited to hear about how it was different in China and how even things existed in China. <laughs> like, yeah, very different. <laughs> yeah, very different. Yeah. And uh, I think Helki got like busted doing a gig. Like, yeah, <laughs> we're talking about like shut something. his gig, the, gig down. Like shut, yeah. like the Chinese were like, no, you can't, you didn't submit. Like, and he would, and just hearing about that cultural difference, I think was fascinating is that it's like, it's truly a different place over there. And so, I mean, it would be amazing to go investigate, do comedy over there myself. And I got to talk to him about that because I still don't understand how anybody makes any goddamn money doing this, uh, which I suppose is one of the, (laughs) one of the investigations of this, of this project is like how anybody actually makes any money doing stand up. But I think maybe that's just endemic of the United States is that, Really, hardly anybody makes any money telling jokes over here. Yeah, also, like, there's there's so much competition. I mean, I hear that you have to pay to get on, in many cases, oh, yourself, yeah. in like, New in New York. Yeah. Um, w- wasn't there, like, a 30 Rock episode where they go to Cleveland and everyone just has a way easier life? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, you nailed <laughs> like, it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's such a... Uh, come on, come on, Lemon. We all, at one point, want to go and... Go out to the big cleave and 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 just have a really nice time. That is so. just you just described the entire Midwest. Well, the best part about that, what you just said, Ari, is my last name is also Lemon. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe maybe Iceland's a bit of a Cleveland then. Maybe like maybe you just don't have like the one thousand comedy clubs with fifty thousand people like get off the stage. You know, <laughs> maybe it's just like okay, buddy, go up there and do. Do your best. We're all rooting for you. <laughs> we're all rooting for you. <laughs> You're the fi- one of the three comics we're going to watch in this whole country, Ari. We hope you do well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to do well. It's for us, you see? <laughs> oh, man, that's so funny. Um, hey, I'm, I want to be conscious of time. I know you've got a bunch of stuff to go do, so we're running up on, on the, uh, the, the top of the hour here, but... Um, hey, if anybody wants to follow you, check your stuff out, uh, you know, see your comedy, any of that, um, where should they follow you? Well, just Google Ari Iceland comedy. Um, you should find me somewhere. Ari Eljorn. Uh, it's just my name, Ari Eljorn. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm trying to be more active on social media, but um, I'm still getting over the spoiled nature of the start of my career like well i'm in the phone book <laughs> they'll know me we all live in the same street that's so but yeah everybody I, is I on logger have... bigger <laughs> yeah yeah everyone is on logger and uh, you know where to find me that's so funny where are you coming to the u.s anytime soon ari i might i might go there maybe this year uh, it all depends. I'm not sure. I've I've only once done one gig in the States. And when I say gig, I, I categorize that very lightly. I just told a few jokes for a few minutes on stage at a bar in Brooklyn once. Hell yeah. But but in a way, it's weird how little time I've spent in the States. I think I've been there for a total like of a week uh, in my life, like on stopovers or stuff like that when I was a flight attendant and like one visit to New York to meet a friend. And when combined with like when I compare that with how heavily influenced 
me and like most Icelanders are by American movies and American comedy. It's quite insane. America is a bit like Edinburgh was before I did the festival. Mm. Uh, sometimes I go like, is it real? Does it exist? <laughs> They speak of it in films and songs, but is it real? I've never been you, it's, to LA. It's, it's yeah. real and it's real disappointing. Uh, <laughs> if you uh, will come on over to the states, man, if you ever want to plan a trip, I'd love to put you in touch with everybody who um, who books over here, especially in oh, Chicago and that. in New York. Um, oh, I mean, fantastic. I'm sure I'm sure Mick Perrin has those contacts also, but um, would would love to work something out. I think you'd you'd be a hit over here too fantastic yeah one yeah i had this one thing like i remember when i was younger every time i had a party at my house at the end when everybody was drunk there was always this thing we always did which was like to lift glasses and go like okay to america one day <laughs> one day america and like america and i think i think we got the idea that that was funny because there was a scene in the simpsons where grandpa simpson says like our family story starts in the old country. I forget which one specifically. And then he, <laughs> he seems to be Irish. Like his dad is showing him like a picture. You see that son? That's America. We'll go there one day. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But one day. And then it just cut to like a big old ship. Like later that day we sailed off for America. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's so good. America. I just. People, it's it's really good to go outside of America actually, and to be reminded why actually America is pretty cool, and to yeah. to meet people who, you know, actual. And then one of the things that's cool about New York is actual immigrants live in New York, and they actually yeah. love America. And you're like, yeah, you know yeah. what? This is actually pretty cool. I get jaded by the fact that I grew up here, and that literally, like, it's impossible. That's the challenge with America, though. It's like in Iceland. You got Iceland, and then you can, and then you have to fly anywhere else. It's a little insular, but you're surrounded by different cultures that are literally only a ninety minute, not even flight away. And oh yeah, we we, def we definitely get completely fed up and cabin fevered over here. Like, yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> we have to remind ourselves that we can go other places too. But no. <laughs> like, that's the thing about the about America is like, even though it's you know culturally different by region, it's really kind of the same shit. Every single suburb has the same goddamn Applebee's and Best Buy and yeah, like all of these stores on their various highway exits, and um, and that's just a little. I think that we get you know jaded by it a little bit. So it's cool to hear other people get excited by it. But all right, I'll let you get back to your. I'll let you get to the rest of your day, man. Um, take it easy and uh, thank you very much for taking the time to jump on the podcast uh, we'll yeah, you too thanks already. for talking to me I'll we'll do hope to, hope to see you in Reykjavik soon I'll have to come over and do some more shows with uh, the Golden Gang absolutely those guys are great alright take care you too bye Thanks so much for listening to Funny Planet. Funny Planet is hosted by Brendan Lemon and Zach Tomasovic and co-produced by Brendan Lemon, Zach Tomasovic, and Brendan Gay. If you find this podcast fun and valuable, we'd love your support. Please like and subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Links will be in the show notes. And if you really want to support us and get access to more content, check the show notes or search for Funny Planet on Patreon. On Patreon, you can pledge a regular donation that will help us to continue to deliver valuable content straight to you. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode.